Hello listener, welcome to Switch It. So that was Basball versus Spindia, round two. England galloped off with the plaudits after the first test, but were made to chase the game in Vizhikapatnam, and a fourth innings target of 399 ultimately proved too much, even for Ben Stokes' brave boys, despite running towards the danger in the manner we've come to expect. Never mind spin, it turns out in Indian conditions there are a few things more dangerous than the catapult arm of Jasprit Bumrah, who helped wrap things up with a nine-wicket haul. Following on from Yashasvi Jaiswal's tone-setting double hundred, it was undoubtedly a case of jazz trumping Baz in Vizag. Just a puff of dust, or the first signs of England's tour going up in smoke. Joining me on the pod to discuss such matters are ESPN Cricket Info UK editor Andrew Miller and associate editor Vitushan Ehantaraja. Good to see you, gents. I'll come to you first, Miller. 5-0 is off the table. Uh, the 106-run margin was pretty comfortable in the end. But do you think, like James Anderson does, that India have been spooked by England's no-fear approach? I think they have, genuinely. I mean, if you if you going back to what you said there at the start about the running towards the danger, I mean, there was nothing in world cricket quite as dangerous as Jaspreet Bumrah on a roll. And any other team facing a bowler bowling that well uh, would have... Been, would have been rolled over the moment it started. You know, right, we cannot compete with this, we're done. England kept going, they kept believing they could win, so much so that by the time Shubman Gill was interviewed after his century, he was conceding that even chasing 399, England had a 30% chance of doing it. I mean, it, you know, that's that's not normal maths when it comes to chasing 399, given the record in India is 276, I think, by West Indies, a great West Indies team in the 1980s. Um, by this team. Than- by visiting team, exactly. And no one's chased more than 418 in any test anywhere. Uh, and yet, India believed that England had a fighting chance of chasing 399. So, yeah, they're in their heads, absolutely. I mean, it's... Uh, I suppose the, the thing that we've come to accept about this England team is that every given day, someone is going to get out of bed and do something remarkable because they are just given the licence to do so. They're allowed to believe that today could be my day, there's no reason it shouldn't be my day. There, no one in this test for England, apart from arguably James Anderson, who bowled brilliantly, but no one in this test produced the the day that Jolly Pope had, say, whereas Jasprit Bumrah came out and produced the day that he had. And that ultimately was the difference between the, t- between the two teams. If an Indian player doesn't play as well as Jasprit Bumrah in the next test, I believe England will be favourites again because of that edge they have by simply believing that nothing is ever lost to them. And uh, winning the toss probably helped as well. Vish, we'll get to the game in due course. But firstly, can you tell us what you're planning to do for the next week since you neither play golf nor have a ticket to Abu Dhabi? Yeah, so I am going to experience, you know, real authentic India. I'm going to go to Goa for a few days. Um, (laughs) uh, You're visiting our, our esteemed colleague, Sid Monger. I am actually, yeah. I, I'm I'm actually staying uh, near the beach where he walks his dogs. So he either really he either lives in a lovely, lovely part of the world, or he's sold me, you know, sold me a fast one, and I'm basically going to be hanging out with loads of dogs, loads of smelly kind of sand encrusted dogs for the next few days. So I'm I'm excited to find out. Are you going to be his dog sitter for a week? Maybe that's it. That's oh. I feel like I've been done here. It's England, it's England, England and India in 2021 all over again. You know, they get a bit comfortable and yeah, suddenly it's all changed. 
<laughs> you're you're sharing a bubble, um, and it and it looks like, at least from a quick check on Instagram, that your the view out your window is pretty decent where you are currently. Yeah, although I can't look out, I can't look out of it too much because they're always England players kind of near the pool, and I look like one of those journos who's constantly eyeballing them. So every now and again, I do have to pull the curtains, but um, it's just that Ben Stokes doesn't think I'm spying on him. Oh yes, no we. We wouldn't want we wouldn't want that. Um, and uh, let's let's move on from the sort of you uh, <laughs> watching England's players by the swimming pool from your uh, darkened bedroom. <laughs> Get back to Baz and Ben's excellent adventure. Um, a quick recap: uh, depleted by uh, injury and absence, India nevertheless found the key individual performances required to win the second test, uh, notably, notably from. Bumrah, Jaiswell and Shubman Gill, uh, as they held off another England comeback to square the series, one all uh, with three to play. Uh, McCullum supposedly told the players on the second evening they could go out and chase 600 if needed. Um, Miller, England do have the knack for fourth innings heroics, but this time they, they left themselves a bit too much to do. Yeah, they did. I mean, you know, I think... It's interesting, isn't it? There's no consequences in England's team, but I, I, I suspect there are quiet learnings to be had. And I'm, I'm sure within that dressing room or in Abu Dhabi or wherever they're going to hunker down and debrief, insofar as they do debrief anything, they can they can analyse a few moments that perhaps went awry for them. Um, you know, largely, I think, to be, to be honest, in that, in that chase, they were unlucky. I think uh, the LBWs particularly, uh, that the contentious ones, Zach Crawley and then and LBW, the... the, the Johnny Bairstow won on the stroke of lunch that would have been, um, you know, if I think it was less out than Shubman Gill's was that wasn't given. You know, those fine margins, not, not to say there's anything wrong with umpire's call. I think it's a very good system. But England were on the wrong side of that. I think um, that was a, a factor. And then Ben Stokes' run out was, as he his, he put it, running through treacle and just, just had a brain fade or whatever it was. I mean, that was a moment that, again, if, uh, half an hour of Ben Stokes doing what he can do and suddenly 106 margin is not 106 margin, and then you're really into squeaky bump territory. So, you know, it, it's it seems daft to sort of analyse it as, as a near miss, but it, it clearly was. It, it was another example of England just tearing up the conventions of Test cricket by believing that nothing is impossible. And because, again, they have this no consequences, the lack of fear just gives them an edge. I mean, if you look at particularly Shubman Gill's innings, the terror that existed in the first half hour of that innings when he survived two LBW appeals, one of them an inside edge he didn't even notice, uh, then an edge through the slips that the route was too wide to catch. The You can sense the, the weight of consequence, the weight of abuse that is waiting to rain on India if they do lose the series at home to England is completely different to the complete lack of care that England have about going out and, and playing wildly. I mean, Joe Root played a, a honking innings, I'm sure we'll get into it, of 16 from 10, but there's going to be no consequences about that. You know, we can, we can tee off all we like in the media about how Joe Root should play more responsibly. You won't, you won't hear a word of that in the dressing room. You may hear, a, you know, Joe Root himself might analyse the way he played and think, OK, I need to chill out here, but you're not going to get Stokes or McCullum tearing off a strip for, for irresponsibility. And therefore, again, every time they go out, it's a blank, blank slate. It's, it is an extraordinary con that they are they are performing every time they they play, and as a consequence, they're getting a lot closer in situations where they shouldn't come even remotely close. Um, this was the the third defeat in eleven run chases uh, under Stokes and McCullum. 
Um, I mean, Vish, you, you wrote about how they had, um, you know, how they have torn up these conventions and so on. Um, it, it, it felt like too many, didn't it? This 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 chase, even though, as Miller says, they they maybe didn't quite get the rub of the green, but um, even at a sort of a hundred for one, and then Ray had Ahmed night hawking it around. There was an awful long way to go, um, and. And I mean, as in the first innings, no one really, really got stuck in and, and, and played that that big innings. And we'll, we'll perhaps get into into um, some of that in a bit. But uh, it, 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 even even if um, Zach Crawley hadn't got a, a bit of a, a, a shooter on leg stump, um, and and on whether whether Hawkeye was right on that, um, that's one for the, the technical boffins. It, it you know chasing four hundred just doesn't happen very often. Certainly not thirty percent of the time, as Gil suggested. Yeah, it just felt that there was there was enough opportunity for mistakes, as it were, given the way England play, as um, as Miller alludes to there. I think the you know going into that going into finally with three thirty odd left, having you know because they'd knocked over sixty seven um, the night before for just the loss of Ben Duckett, there was a sense that they could they could do something quite cool um, and even even get close. I know, you know, we talk about moral victories and stuff like that, but getting close to that figure, becoming the first visiting team to get over 300 in a um, fourth innings in India would have been quite cool, would have been something that they'd have celebrated to a point. Um, I don't know, they weren't that hard on themselves at the end of the day. Um, you know, they're back out playing football a couple of hours after close. Um, but the... <laughs> I did leave there thinking that they've missed an opportunity, and part of that is because this is the weakest India eleven that they'll face, given the, you know, the um, players that are out of this test, and the players are, and some of those players which are, who are likely to come back um, in Rajkot. But you know, you think you know, Joe Root's dismissal. Um, he, uh, yeah, the, I, I totally agree with Miller about the contentiousness of that LBW that Crawley, Crawley got. But but even Pope, he was a sense that like. You know, he was frenetic and, and got away with it at the start of his second innings in Hyderabad and kind of felt like lightning was, wasn't going to strike twice. Um, certainly not not to that degree. And it felt like by by lunch, basically, with five down, it, it was basically done. And, yeah, I, I think the, you know, you mentioned losing the toss as well. I, I, it felt like they didn't do, do all that much wrong across the course of the test, other than the fact that India were were better in that on that second day but then you could look at that second at that first inning sorry and think yeah you could have you could have pulled a lot a lot more out of that and there's um there is a sense that this break is coming at the right time for both teams really because it gives india a bit of time to assess among many other things what the situation is with veracoli but also with england you just got a sense that they were getting a bit tired of things you know i know people will laugh because they've only really been in the country for for two weeks going on three but you know being in the same hotelism is quite an eye-opener in terms of you know being hidden away and stuff like that and just being constantly asked for for selfies and this that and the other often by people who are there to keep other people away from them so um and the other thing that's emerged over the last couple of days is this virus that seems to be doing the rounds i think we um Someone who I won't name saw someone else who I won't name dry heaving in the foyer about three hours ago. Um, and, you know, that, that kind of sums it up. We're already at that stage. So 
I mean, it's going to be a pretty horrendous um, flight back if people have to contend with that. And, you know, I've, I've already heard of a couple of people who, um, again, will remain nameless, who are thinking, right, um, see my family tomorrow. I'm going to lock myself away in the room while this virus does its business. So, um, A, thank you for infecting the hotel. Uh, but, but B, um, I think it, it just feels like um, getting away and just not quite recalibrating because they're not going to play any cricket or do any training, but almost just kind of parking it and thinking, right, it's 1-1 in that two-test series. We've got three-test series coming up and we go again. Yeah, this is England setting out the blueprint for, for future tours, isn't it? You play a couple of tests and then go on holiday in the middle of it and then play another couple of it's tests. It's amazing. I, I was <laughs> I was actually thinking, actually, you know, there, there is all these, you know, um, bumper one year, two year, three year contracts. Do they does it, do they have like an annual elite allowance now? Do they have to? You know the way that we have to fill in the days, or sometimes we forget and we have to do it. You know, after the actual break themselves. But I wonder if Rob Key is just sitting at home, just clicking through all these, just approving all this annual leave. But yeah, they're definitely yeah, not well. building up many loo days with all these uh, three and four day finishes. But. Um... <laughs> Yeah, you keep an eye out of those curtains because someone might be sick in the pool, and uh, you know then we'll have a story. Um, <laughs> just on just on the Crawley thing, because to me uh, uh, that second innings LBW looked pretty uh, stock standard. Um, wh- what did England think was wrong with it? That it didn't pitch in line? That it wasn't it, ball tracking got it wrong somehow? I, I I thought having you know seen the replay uh, that you know that all looks in order. Well, did you? Well, I mean, to be honest, I I, I kind of got it, but the I think the contention isn't that it was hitting and it wasn't hitting. I think the contention is the uh, you know the scale of the hitting as it were. There's got to be a better way to say <laughs> well, that. But I think they expected it. <laughs> they to thought come it'd back be umpire's, umpire's call, cool. right? Okay, exactly. I mean, it, uh, which would have stayed with Murray Rasmus's yeah. decision. Presumably, what there is, a... and the fact that it wasn't. There's that always a cusp the there where it's going to go one way or the other. But yeah, sorry, Miller. No, but, but, but that's fundamentally the point of umpire's call. It, it, it mitigates the the expectation levels of of whoever's about to be disappointed. If it is umpire's call and it looks like it's marginal and it shows it's umpire's call, it's, oh fine, that's one that's got away. If it's umpire's if it looks as marginal as that LBW was and it's given not out, then suddenly you're turning completely on its head, a hundred degrees, hundred hundred eighty degree flip. That feels wrong to me. That that's a sort of that's a sort of VAR levels of of wrong in the, in in the degree of expectation <laughs> management. That's that's what that is what I think annoys people the most about this decision. It's not a bit like the two OBWs I mentioned earlier, the Anderson one to Gill and um, the uh, one to Bairstow. It's like the Gill one was probably on I think looked more out than Bairstow's. That's my personal subjective opinion, but because the on field decision was out and not out respectively it mitigated the disappointment when you see the replay and think oh fine that that was that was a near miss i think that that's a thing that's really annoying i think for the the expectations of that particularly on the just going into lunch it's a big appeal it's given on out you think okay well that that was close but it, it, it he's got away with it and then something oh my god he's been stiffed uh, that i think is is the frustration and um Again, I, I reference VAR because we get this sort of thing every day in, in the Premier League because <laughs> there's so because that system is so appalling. Whereas actually, I think umpire's call, broadly speaking, is very good. But this was about as about as marginal as you get. You know, there's a forty nine point nine percent out 
uh, suddenly looks like 100% out. That, that's going to that's going to feel uh, very much a a big big change compared to the, the smaller margins you see elsewhere. If that makes any sort of sense. Uh, a fifty-two forty-eight call. Uh, yes, might, exactly. Though you know might, those, those things generally do say. wind people up, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I wanted to talk about another Corley dismissal um, in the in the first innings, uh, and you know I think we've kind of established that that that, that um, second afternoon is where. India won the game, and and Jasper Bumrah's spell is at the heart of that. But um, it was it was Corley's dismissal. England were 114 for one, and and you know seemingly basballing their way towards 400 plus, uh, having done uh, I think common by common consensus a pretty good job of keeping India uh, below 400, despite uh, Jaswell's scoring 209, the next high score um, being Shubman Gill 34. Uh, but Crawley. Uh, Attacks Axar Patel, who's just come into the attack. Uh, it's, I think, the second ball of the over for four. Third ball of the over, he skies it to backward point. And while accepting completely that this is Baswell and that's the way they play, I was trying to imagine what Bob Willis on the verdict would have said. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and Vish, there will be no recriminations. But, I mean, from that point, the game ran away from England. They were 114 for one. They and then it was suddenly 182 for seven, and and any chance of uh, getting near India's first innings total was gone. Yeah, it, it probably did run away from England, and I think what was encouraging was Zach Crawley. You know, much like the shot, caught himself in a bit of a bind when he did press at the end of the day, because he. Said exactly that that you know he has to keep attack he has to keep playing that way he should keep playing that way because if not he regresses back to the kind of pre twenty twenty three cruelly which um, you know certainly he doesn't he doesn't want to be anymore <laughs> no one wants to and, see understandably that understandably so <laughs> yeah but but within that he did also say that when he was in the dressing room looking at the wickets for falling after him he thought damn basically that that's on me and. I think it's quite. I think that's a really interesting part of that because I don't. I'm not necessarily sure he vocalised it because if he did, he would have been talked out of that. You know, he would have been. Someone would have said to him, "Oh, mate, leave it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's not your fault." You know, like, that's a more Kool Aid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, shaking him like uh, Matt Damon and Robbie Williams in uh, Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> um, but I, I think there's. There's something that's that has actually happened over the last two weeks. I'm sensing to a point is some of the younger players are actually stepping up and taking responsibility in quite quiet ways. Ben Duckett has been responsible for you know some strong opening stands this series already, and yet hasn't quite cracked on. And there is you know you get a sense from him that he's you know when he gets out he's obviously he's annoyed he gets out, but there seems a bit more of right you know i want i want to score here as well actually um you know one of the other things that, that came out in that Crawley press conference was um someone asked him you know mccullum said you're a, you know said you'll never be a consistent player so you must be really worried about what's happened over the last nine months and he and he said you know he's like well I, you know i think we all know he said that because i wasn't playing very well at all but you know that's who who doesn't want to be a consistent player type thing um and I think Consistent you know we saw match it, winner. Yeah, exactly. But but I mean, but that's the next stage, isn't it? We saw it during the Ashes that there was a bit of a recalibration, well, a massive recalibration after Lords, and I think there'll be a bit of a recalibration after this with individuals. I know we're going to we're probably going to talk about Joe Root in a bit more detail, but um, certainly for 
Pope, who's already got a big score, Crawley, who's already had an impressive start to his series. I think there's a sense of actually we want the next level now as well. Yeah, and that and that's what England were missing. Um, you know, there were there were four uh, scores above fifty in the game, um, one in each innings. Uh, Crawley's uh, Crawley was the man both times for England seventy six and seventy three, but obviously that was um, trumped by uh, double hundred and, and a century for Gill um, uh, Miller. The next passage of play was uh, or something England couldn't do much about. Um, Jasper Boomer reverse swinging ball. I think it was it was two spells, um, sort of split by one over, um, one stray over. But, but basically, either either side of the break, three for twelve off off eight overs from Bumrah, and and uh, there was no doubt about the pièce de résistance in there. Um, Ollie Pope looking quite set and settled, uh, having two of his stumps detonated from the ground uh, in the old style. I mean, it's, it was absolutely. God level bowling. I mean, you know, we we you know we get spoiled. I think, um, you know, in, in this day and age, because you know, it's there's a lot of fun cricket going on when you look around. But every now and again, you look at something like that and you think, okay, that that is different gravy. That is that is that, that is something above and beyond the the the, root, the run of the mill sort of stuff. You know, we've been we've been praising James Anderson who had that sensational Test match uh, in his own quieter way. Uh, but it wasn't as sensational as watching reverse swing at ninety plus miles an hour, both both directions, and tearing out the cream of England's batting uh, with barely a glimmer of resistance. I mean, it was it was unbelievably good, um, and he is unbe- unbelievably good. I mean, we've um, I think it was Cameron Ponsby actually. He did a, he did a, he did a piece about fast bowlers who just look quicker than they are, and Bumrah has this extraordinary ability because of his extraordinary action that he his release point is is almost in front of his in front of the popping crease. He releases it at high pace, about a, about a metre in front of where you would expect the ball to be released. So he's bowling bloody quick anyway, but he's also bowling off 21 yards instead of 22. And he's reverse swinging it at high pace and high accuracy. I mean, the combination makes it incredibly hard to pick up, incredibly hard to line up. And you saw that, you know, Joe Root has clearly got major problems against him, got out, got out to him eight times now. Ben Stokes got out to him 13 times. You know, he's a guy who is who is headhunting the best in the world uh, and doing it consistently. And yeah, I maintain what I said at the top. This was one of the greatest contemporary pieces of fast bowling I've seen, genuinely. Uh, you know, we, 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 we see a lot of it. We, you know, there, there, there was some magnificent stuff down in Australia not so long ago. But, but you know, it, it is, this, was, this was up there with as good as it gets. And yet England did find a way to fight back and give the impression that they could win this test match, despite that happening. Um. I, I I was just when we were talking about the the the, the way in which England went about things, I was flicking through the last time they were in Vishakhapatnam, in fact, the 2016 tour, and I was just looking here. You know, you talk about this was an outstanding spell of fast bowling that that ripped the game apart, but you look at what happened in that Test match. It was actually oddly similar in that India batted first, scored 455. Um, a big century from Virat Kohli, um, another century from Pujara, who's obviously missing here. England responded with 255 compared to 253 on this occasion. <laughs> and so, but on that occasion, he got 255 from 102.5 overs of hard graft from Joe Root gets a 50, Ben Stokes gets 70, Johnny Bairstow gets a 50. So those three key players who are still in the team eight years later are grafting away in the first innings, trying against all expectation to compete in India 
they do their damnedest. They're batting at strike rates between 34 and 54, and they still concede a lead of exactly 200. So even when England were doing their damnedest to not get out in a, in a very different mindset, they still got out in twice as many overs as this time, conceding a similar sort of lead. And then what happened in the second innings, they're chasing 405 compared to 399, and they, they go into a hole. I mean, Ben Duckett, in fact, was talking about it. He, he said that, you know, his instructions from Alistair Cook was don't get out, just 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 block block for your life. Remember, that was a test which Cook and Hassi Bermead um, batted 50 overs for 75 runs. They just, they bunkered down, trying not to get out. And then you look at the way that the five survivors from that test, you look at how they got out. Duckett comes in at number four, bats naught from 16 balls, and then tries to sweep and gets out because he's got close catches around him. Ben Stokes, six from 33 balls, and then gets a peach of a delivery from Giant Yadav and gets bowled. Then suddenly England, 100 and, 106, 115 for six, dead in the water. And look what happens. Johnny Bairstow starts teeing off, gets 34 out of from 40 balls as England bowled out of 158. The point is, England have tried surviving, tried not doing the wrong thing, tried to, to just hang in there previously, and they get stuffed every time. In this occasion, they were running towards the danger of Jasper Boomer bowling an outstanding spell and they still end up getting the same amount of runs as they did in a bog stand in the first innings when they were just batting batting for their lives and making sure they didn't make mistakes. Um, so, you know, I I can't fault the fact they're going about it this way because it is it is already being proven to be a better, more effective way of mixing it with India than than just hanging around waiting for the one that's going to have your name on it. Because if you're going nowhere against Jasper Boomer in that sort of that sort of form, you're talking about he's going to get six for ten. Rather than six or forty-five, you know, it's going, to, it's going to be you're going to die in a ditch in a very, very different sort of way if you allow bowlers to bowl at you in India in in, in this contemporary age. Uh, well, yes, and and uh, talking about the the sort of those individual performances that lifted India, um, Bumrah. Well, I say front and centre. Uh, there was quite a lot of argument about whether Chase Wells double hundred should be a player of the match worthy. I think as well. Um, I think I'd I'd edged it towards Bumrah just because. Bowlers win you games. Um, Vish, I mean, his record is quite incredible. 29 wickets now in six tests in India. So home six home tests in a, in a sort of four, five-year career, I think. But um, 29 wickets at 13.06. Um, and he, he reached 150 wickets uh, in this game. He's got the second best average ever behind SF Barnes. Um, and, and I... I Perhaps worst of all, you might your view might be different, but he's actually very likable and smiling, and you know uh, he, he kills you with kindness in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're that good, you don't really need to be mean, do you? <laughs> it's, it's be it's too just, much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and understandably so. If you're that good at something, then just enjoy your life because things are <laughs> things are just going to come to you. I think. I think what's really interesting is there was a lot of talk last year about yeah. Australia's pace attack and coping with them. And I think what helped England actually was you kind of prepare for one, you prepare for them all. So, you know, how you approach Cummins is not too dissimilar to how you approach Hazelwood. Not that they're, you know, two samey bowlers, more in the way that essentially your session is governed around pace, essentially. And I think what's interesting is you can almost tell that They've done so much work against spin because they've played it really well. I mean, there have been periods where Ravi Chandran Ravi Ashwin has been taken out of the attack because he's going at fives. 
you know, the ghosts of Axar Patel seem to have been exercised pretty convincingly, um, in part because they probably, you know, they were too scared of him in, uh, in 2021. And then it comes to, well, you know, you, you need, you basically need Mark Wood and Gus Atkinson bowling thunder, thunderbolts at your batters so they can get used to it. Obviously, they've got dog throws as well, but you kind of, but even then, no one quite mimics Boomer's action. So what do you do? You kind of get your dog thrower a little further on and you have that little stutter step. You almost kind of, your ideal, your ideal um, net bowler will be a centaur with a doggy stick, wouldn't he? Because he'd do the little <laughs> trot up and then he'd be able to fling it down. Um, if you don't know what a centaur is, Google it. <laughs> there, I mean, I know you're a, in deepest but, darkest India, but are there any of those knocking round? Uh, you know, I haven't actually gone out and checked all that much. So I imagine Still... if you, there's a chemical plant in the distance. You know, I reckon if we pushed, I don't know, Ali, Ali Martin of the Guardian and a horse in there with him, we might come out with a centaur okay. like the fly. I'm sure he would gladly uh, um, sacrifice himself for that for the cause. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll ask him later. But you know, and there's but there's there's also the serious point of like maybe you just how can you prepare against a bowler so unique? I think the. But England have had moments against him. I don't know if you remember because it, you know, it was, it was made entirely redundant. Um, but just before that first burst of burst of reverse swing from Bumrah in England's first innings, when he took took three wickets for not very many, Zach Crawley hit him for four fours. Yeah, you know, one of them was an edge um, through the slips, but you know, he was he really yeah that was really at the back end of his opening spell, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't necessarily think they're scared of him, but they are scared of that second coming of Bumrah when the ball is reversing and he comes back on. You know, I had a look today and it was, it's basically from, in terms of the wickets he's taken already, it's from 18 to about 45, which is a huge window, but it's essentially whenever the ball they're, they're using at the time is reversing. And then you factor in the slower ball as well, which I thought England were picking and then Ben Folks gets out to quite tamely in the fourth inning. So, you know, he's got all these tricks and I do think they, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of respect for him really. Um, and I, I do think they're going to come back with some ideas of, of how to, how to combat him a bit more, but ultimately, you know, you, you just need, you almost need the openers to have that impact on him early on and still be there when the reverse swing starts, because yeah, he, he's going to take wickets, but you just hope that, you're not too exposed what he does. Um, on fast bowling greatness, Miller, you've mentioned James Anderson, but uh, he, I mean, he's not quite as scary. He's not so polite and smiling either, but he was, he was certainly back in the swing. I mean, after the ashes that he had and, and, uh, and, and at age 41, the, the, the doubters um, aren't quick to reemerge, but, uh, three for forty-seven, two for twenty-nine, um, five wickets away from seven hundred now. Only one visiting fast bowler um, in history has more than Anderson's thirty-nine wickets in India now. And I'll give a bonus point to either of you who can, who can get him. Um, but yeah, it, it, I'll, I'll let you think about it. But um, uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, precision, immaculate. He's a dapper old gent, isn't he? Jimmy, uh, uh, and he, show, he showed it again. <laughs> Um, yeah, in this test, very much so. I mean, you know, I remember we were talking about him in the start before the start of the series. Can he come again? And you know, I, I, I will concede. I, I thought the Ashes was 
a particularly worrying drop off. It, it was it was it was so unexplainable. Um, I mean, he he has gone out and said he's worked on a new run up, and and so he clearly feels like there was something explainable. But it it did look as though he was just he'd just done what sometimes happens with with aging athletes. They just wake up one morning and the snap had gone. There was a that weird period in the the final test of the Oval against Australia when it was self evident that there was no way England were going to turn to Anderson of all the people you would normally go to. With a with a match on the wire, um, Anderson was nowhere to be seen. He was he was there giving support to J- Stuart Broad, who obviously did his heroics. But England could not trust him because he he was not the bowler they needed at that moment. So, of course, you're going back out to India of all the places. You think I mean it's a basketballer's graveyard by by reputation. At the age of forty one, nearly forty two, um, is this wise? I mean, I, I as I say, I dredged up an interview I did with him in two thousand eight in, in two thousand sixteen when. Um, I asked him that. Is it wise, Jimmy, recovering from a broken shoulder to go out and play in India? And he bit my head off, saying, "Of course, I want to go out and play." <laughs> he, he, he just wants to be there, and and he proved it with, with with a sublime spell. It was so different to Bumrah, but it was so clever as well. I mean, that delivery that bowled Rohit Sharma in the second innings was just subtlety personified. I mean, you know, you don't often think of him like Glenn McGrath, essentially. But I remember McGrath. I think he must be in Bangalore in two thousand four. Remember him bowling. Um, Raul Dravid in, in, with a ball that just just did enough. McGrath, you know, McGrath's famously, you know, look at the way he got at Mike Afton all the time. It was half a Batsworth movement. It, that was all it took. It wasn't about an extravagant nip off the seam or anything. It was just half a Batsworth, which takes him from the middle of the bat to the edge of the bat. And this was this was something different entirely because he was the previous ball had shaped in quite wickedly and and Rohit had played to protect his his pads. And then suddenly he's beaten around the outside edge and still bowled off stump by a ball that, you know, even looking at a hundred times, I can barely see the movement. But it's all to do with the initial perception of that previous delivery. This is going to come back even further and it holds its line essentially and maybe moves half a millimetre the other way. It was unbelievably canny. And the sort of stuff you can only do if you know exactly where that ball is going to pitch. You can you can trust the fact that, you know, I know exactly within a, you know, a sixpence of of pitch where this is going to land and I can calibrate accordingly. It was so clever. And, um, you know, the wobble seam across Jai Swal again, five balls later. I mean, here's a guy who got 200 in the previous innings and suddenly he's done in by another subtly different but very clever bit of bowling that was essentially completely different, swinging across the left-hander. But again, it all comes down to that absolute relentless accuracy and command the seam position. So um, he's incredible. And... Um, this 10-day gap is perfect for him. You know, he had a big workload as a, as a sole seamer as well. I mean, the other thing we haven't mentioned is that England are 1-1 and brawling in the series, despite not picking the right team yet. I mean, you know, arguably they've needed two seamers in both of their test matches. And the first test, arguably, the fact they had an extra spinner was good because Jack Leach was injured. But, you know, all things being equal, um, they were they had more spinners than they needed at any given point. Joe Root barely bowled in this test. Leach barely bowled in the last test. They've, they they have they have endlessly gone in with more spin than they need, and it's it's worked okay. But you know, Ollie Robinson would have been a real handful on this pitch, I reckon. And um, it, they they've got him up with a sleeve yet. So they you know it's been witchcraft and Stokes' captaincy again of the young spinners. Another factor that we haven't really talked about yet. But I mean, absolute absolutely <coughs> magical captaincy just to to dredge that level of of belief at, at so many different moments when it looked like the game was slipping away from England. He would tinker with the field, 
and coax another wicket just because he believed in the men at his disposal in a way that every other captain in history would have thought, my God, what have I picked here? Um, stick everyone on the boundary and let's just, let's just wait for them to declare. Well, yeah, um, on that, Michelle Bashir didn't uh, take a five for Vish, uh, you know, following on from Tom Hartney, Rayan Ahmed and Will Jacks under Stokes. But, the yeah, that um, three-cap trio going into the game um, performed. I mean, they out-bowled, arguably, the home spinners. 15 for fifteen wickets for 500 from 139 overs um, compared to nine for 363 uh, from 80 so I, th- I think that's about 30 30 odd uh, a wicket for England spinners and 40 something for for Indies obviously we've talked about Jasper Bumrah but um, it, was, it was like pretty remarkable stuff and then uh, you know they're, they're obviously um, they talked about what the, they'd seen in Shah Bashir and, and we saw what Tom Hartley did in um, in Hyderabad but to hold it all together without without Leach and without Root really bowling much as well, I mean, it was it was pretty special. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, you know, a huge plus point that they can take away from that defeat is just how those young spinners turned up. You know, I think it was maybe the first test where I got up the um, you know the amount of overs <laughs> that both Rehan and um, Tom Hartley have bowled in first class games whether it was you know in the entirety of the match or specifically in in an innings and i realized it's probably now redundant because they're just going to do more bowling over this tour than they've they've ever done you know from match to match and it was i don't know it was really cool i think cool is the right word to see um an england captain just leave a spinner on and you know rotate a bit from the other end take them off when they're tired and you know put the others on and all of them with a with a remit to attack um it's funny, it rem- this is a bit of a tangent here, but I think it's quite important. It was back in 2004, I think, maybe even a bit before that, um, certainly early 2000s, where the ECB employed Terry Jenner to come over and do basically work with England spinners. Now, Adil Rashid was one of the spinners that came through that and, um, you know, and a few others, including Will Beer, who was, was at Sussex. Um, but they had this game at, um, they had this game penciled in for... Loughborough, where it would be 11 spinners against 11 spinners. Basically, nothing but spin would be bowled and people would bat and they would play out the game like that. And they realised that it was stupid that they couldn't go through with the game or the game wouldn't work is because they thought it would turn into a bit of a farce because you can't leave a spinner on to bowl, you know, in the same kind of spells that you'd bowl um a seamer for example and so they felt that they couldn't they wouldn't be able to get the rhythm of the game right that it wouldn't quite work and it would be a bit of a foolish exercise and now you're kind of fast forward however many years um and there's an england captain doing that in a test match now it's a very unique england captain in stokes but um and it's all the, it's all the more ridiculous because it's essentially three kids um it does make you wonder about the ones that have fallen away fallen on the wayside um you know, I, I did uh, I did a talk with a tour group yesterday with Marcus Triscothic and Don Best came up. You know, Don Best took a five-week haul in the first test match here in 2021. What we know of Don Best is that he started very early, too early really, too early by, you know, certainly previous thinking and struggled as soon as things didn't go well and has basically fallen away um, because... I suppose no, no one, it wasn't a case that people not only didn't really 
have the same kind of tactical mind as a Stokes, but there's also a duty of care there as well. And there was a real sense that when England t- picked these spinners, that God, you know, it's a hard place. Like, I get that this is a really comfortable, comfortable environment, but like, how do you really, um, you know, how are you going to cope when things go badly? You know, it's not, you know, it's quite quite tetchy here, and um, you know, batters can go after them. They might might go for five, six, and over. And and how does a young spinner hold that, especially with so little experience to fall back on? But I don't know. They've all thrived, really, haven't they? Um, it's it's been a, a huge success story and perhaps a lesson that can you know can uh, filter through down to the to the rest of the game because it's not so much about play like baseball in county cricket this that and the other but i suppose it's a bit more like look just really you can tell someone to back their spinner but this is how you back your spinner you know you, you just treat them as a wicket taking threat it's such a such a good such a good um, point bring up best though and such ex- a good point accept that yeah, it's such a good point bringing up Best because he he epitomises the the lack of faith that England had on their last tour in 2021 compared to the absolute unbelievable unrelenting faith they've got this time around. If you if you recall how he how he began his test career, I think Best would be an outstanding basballer. I genuinely think he's got the ticker for it in the same way that Tom Hartley has got the ticker. He's just shown from taking a seven front debut and coming back from his first spell to the way he's batted because Best you know got a fifty on debut when he was when he was. 21 or whatever but if you recall the way that his career developed he got he got I think in, in Port Elizabeth he got the first five wickets to fall in the South Africa innings in a, in a test match victory and then in Gaul he got a five for I mean I think he got mocked for being an absolutely disgusting five full of full of long hops and all the rest of it but it was five wickets eight in the match in a, in a victory in Gaul as England won, won that series 2-0 then he got five for in Chennai as England won the test match he five across two innings and then suddenly he goes goes for none in the Ahmedabad, and he gets thrown on the bus. And England say, "Well, he's mentally shot. He's he, 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 mentally he's, 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 he needs a break, uh, and he hasn't been seen since." I mean, that, as you mentioned, the duty of care. I think that's absolutely shocking. You know, eight wickets, four wickets, five wickets. His previous previous three tests in Asia, and he gets a north for in a in a defeat in Ahmedabad, and he's drop kicked out of the team, and has never been seen since. You would not get that under Ben Stokes. You, he would he would be saying, "Well, I'm, he's my man. I I have faith in this guy. He's done it for me already in three consecutive victories. I'm going to keep picking him, and I'm going to pump his tires until he's back again. Um, I hope he comes back again. Um, if it does feel as though he's a long way away all of a sudden, but uh, but then that's the same. That's the case with all spinners. I mean, sure, Bashir came from absolutely nowhere. He was. He was playing minor counties cricket not so long ago, and that's how he's playing test cricket. It, that is the the fate of spinners in in English cricket is that you have to be plucked from nowhere essentially to to get a, get a chance because of the because of the way the, the schedule is. But um, you know, it, it, the faith and the belief that these guys can do it is is something that um, is unheard of in English cricket and 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 frankly unparalleled. Well, we're back to Stokes uh, and and uh, his uh, magic touch. Does he does he need to have a word with his uh, with his senior spinner? Um, Vish, is this something that uh, that England uh, needs to sort out over the next week? Uh, by which I'm referring to Joe Root, obviously not his not his bowling that's a, a concern. But uh, four innings, uh, the highest score of twenty nine. Uh, that second innings in. 
Um, Vizag, 16 off 10 balls, two reverse sweeps, a, a six over long off, and then a little miscued hoik to backward point. Uh, he obviously had hurt his finger in the field, and we don't really know how significant that is, perhaps, or how, how it was hampering him, maybe, while batting. But has he? is there a danger he's sort of slipping back into this this void uh, where, where he's unsure of how to bat as a baseballer? I mean, I think he is back in that um, that void, as you put it. Um, void sounds quite tragic, doesn't it? I mean, he's in a funk. Let's call it a funk. Yeah, yeah. So he's definitely in that like a really dark space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely in that funk, but I think it's just a product of being in new conditions. And it's you know, um, I've written today. I think it's just a case of recalibrating to to how he'd need to approach to be more positive. In you know. Um, playing on these pitches because but then he you know we're, we're going to have the same conversation as we did when he was going through the initial funk um but you know joe root naturally goes up four five sixes and over without taking too many undue risks he evidently thinks he needs to do a little bit more um and sweep a bit more which is fine he's a very good sweeper i think we can all agree on that i think the there's you know his little finger as you mentioned on his right hand was an issue um you know, it doesn't seem to be too big an issue. Like it was it certainly was an issue the night before, which is why he was off the field. But he batted, and apparently, it wasn't it wasn't too much of a problem when he batted. Um, batted then. Apparently, he was one of the people who woke up a bit crook with that virus. Um, and so, if you know, I think the sentiment to those who did wake up and were a bit ill, go out there and get as you know, and quick, you know, quick as many quick runs as possible, which is not necessarily the, something you'd want to say to someone with that kind of ailment, but. <laughs> Um, I think the message was received as intended, but yeah, there, there seems something that he he's striving for. I mean, at the same time, you know, he was he got a good ball. He's got a couple of good balls from from Bumra. Um, you know, the second dismissal at the end of the um, first test, and then the first dismissal here in Vizag. Um, but you know, he he's he's capable of, of doing more. I think we're gonna see that. Brendan McCollum. Um, Brendan McCullum in um, his uh, conversation with us that's due out today uh, said that he fully expects to uh, root to score and I quote a shit ton of runs for the rest of the series so I mean he's not going to say anything else is he but I don't necessarily think they're all worried about that but certainly you know to look at his body language Joe definitely is and I don't think he bowled that well in the second test actually I think um, you know he obviously went down in that third innings but he was hooked pretty early in that first innings, um, which led to Bashir being brought on as early as he as he was. Even though they did wait um, a bit in both innings for for Rehan as well. So, yeah, I think he's in a he's in, in a bit of an odd place, and um, you know he's always been a you know a home badger if that's a, is that, if that's the phrase. But <laughs> you know, so maybe seeing his family and his kids again will um, will just remind him that you know it is only just a game and. Um, yeah, Rajkot. Rajkot could be the start of um, you know a, a good purple, well, a good purple run of form for him. Yeah, well, he's a home badger. He scored more runs uh, in India, I think, than any other overseas batter. So, and and got a hundred in Rajkot last time round, I think. Um, Miller looking on ahead uh, to that third test. Um, we're a bit we're a bit far out to think about what you know what the pitch will be like and and 
who England might bring in and, and so on. I mean, um, I guess the hope will be that Jack Leach is, is fit to at least um, put his hand up for selection. You touched on whether they should be playing a second seamer. India have been playing two seamers, although I don't think they really needed the second seamer either, but that's a different uh, a different equation for them to, to um, solve. Um I mean, there have only been two tests played at uh, at Radcliffe. One of them by England, Hasib Hamid's debut in 2016, uh, and one in 2018. So there are quite a lot of unknowns. Um, quite apart from the fact England are going to Abu Dhabi to play golf for the, the week in between. Yeah, are they just? I mean, you know, in terms of in terms of selection, you know, the baseball way has been very much to stick to the same team. It's like you know, you don't you don't make a change if you feel like the team is doing. <clears throat> most things right, which I think it is. Uh, what is that change? I think that there is a case, as I mentioned earlier, for an extra seamer. So I, I'd probably say, thanks, Shoa, you can come again, but bring in Ollie Robinson. Uh, that would be my change. I don't think I'd make any other changes, to be perfectly honest. I think um, I think Tom Hartley has shown ample ticker and his batting prowess is up there with Leach's stickability and, and more, to be honest. His, his, uh, his, his launching of sixes of Ashwin is, is something that... Uh, has been a real feature of, of England's fight in, in, in both second innings. Um, so I wouldn't change that, and I wouldn't change the batting either. I, I think, you know, who knows if if Harry Brook gets back in or comes back for after his personal issues. But, um, you know, Johnny Bairstow, I think, has played incredibly well. He's looked bristling and brawling up for the fight, but hasn't reached 40 yet in four innings. But I wouldn't change that. I think he looks... He looks in the mood, and he had a had a run in with Ashwin after he got out, which I always think is a good sign for for Bairstow. If he's if he feels like he's 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 got a fight to pick, he will go and pick it and win it because that's kind of how he operates. Um, so I would I would trust Bairstow to to come out brawling in Rajkot. And just finally on 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 Root, I mean, you know, that it's clear that something isn't quite right with the way he's going about things. But again, if you look at the overall record of Basball. He averages 52 at a strike rate of 75 on the basketball. It's a, you know, he averages 49 overall, strike rate near a 50 overall. So, you know, he's going quicker and scoring more runs per innings in this era than he was previously. Admittedly, you know, the, the peaks and troughs are are fairly frequent and we've seen, you know, two winters running now. He's He's gone a bit missing uh, overseas, but then he came back and got a big 100 in, in um, New Zealand last year. Uh... I mean, hundred in the Ashes Test, opening Ashes Test. You know, he's he's got he's got the class to come again. But you know, our our our, our friend George DeBell was writing about um, England, making poker analogies about England, saying he, he wishes they folded more often and stopped going all in all the time. Uh, I didn't think his analogy was quite spot on, but I thought I think it was more of an analogy with 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 Bruce. Is that he's a bit on these what what poker players would call on tilt at the moment. He's had a had a few bad losses, particularly I think the World Cup. I think of all the players who came out of that World Cup, Root was probably the one who came out with the most questions about his own game because he was just so below the standards that he expects of himself. And he, I, it looks as though he's rushing to try and make up his losses, which is basically what happens when you're on tilt. You, you've had a bad beat. You're thinking, well, I'm going to try and win my win my money back quickly, play the wrong shot, overplay your hand, get out quickly, and you're even deeper in the red. That feels like what he's doing at the moment. He's to take a, take a breath, maybe a 10 days in Abu Dhabi, breathe more deeply and stop rushing his innings and um, as you mentioned as Vish mentioned he bats at four fives anyway uh, when he's in when he's in, in on songs so he doesn't need to play basketball and that's that I suppose is the other fundamental thing that 
this mentality has improved every single player in that team, particularly the young players who were directionless, except for Root, who, you know, incremental improvements in, in strike rate and, and marginal average. But overall, it hasn't benefited his game, because if you remember what happened pre to baseball, Joe Root was carrying the team and everyone else was clinging onto his coattails. So he was the one guy in that side who did not need to change the way he was going about things, whereas absolutely everything else about this team needed to be ripped up. And so if all of a sudden he is unsure of what his game is, it's hardly surprising because his game was working absolutely perfectly even while England were losing, were winning one in one match in 17 previously. <laughs> so, you know, if he's feeling if he's feeling a little bit discombobulated, not sure of his role, which has been a theme all the way through, and I reiterate, his record is better under this regime than previously, but it doesn't look better because everyone else has improved so much more around him and he's just stayed pretty damn good. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see. I, I, I would suspect he won't be in this rut for long. A ton of runs coming. Um, you heard it here first. Just uh, one last thing. Is, is there any sense that Harry Brook might be back in, in, in the mix at some point? If, if, you know, if not after this break, then later in the tour? No, no, there's been, um, there's been no update on that, in part because they, England have um, basically not even tried to contact Harry Brook because of the, you know, the, the nature of the, um, the personal matter that he returned home to, um, to deal with. So it would just be a case of them hearing from, from him and I suppose, yeah, they, they haven't heard from him yet, yeah. Well, we will wait uh, to hear and hope uh, all is well with him. That, um, there hasn't been... Too much else uh, from an England perspective uh, beyond the, the test tour. The, the under-19s finished fourth in Group 2 of the Super 6 uh, at the World Cup. Um, the the most um, headlines, I think, created by Hamza Sheikh being out, given out obstructing field. Um, I don't know if either of you have strong opinions on that, but... Uh, um, <laughs> Stop picking up the bloody ball! <laughs> that, that was so um, Courtney Walsh, by the way, was the answer to uh, the uh, visiting fast bowler who has more wickets in England, uh, in India, than uh, James Anson. So uh, another old stager with plenty of miles in the legs, um, although he has retired, unlike James Anson. And um, yeah, I think that will uh, do us for today, England get their heads down for a week in the nets before Rajkot. Only kidding, they've of course gone off to play golf in another country. Uh, We'll be uh, sticking around though. Uh, We're not going anywhere. We'll be back to preview the third test next week. Until then, uh, my thanks to Miller and Bish and to you all for tuning in to the Switch It podcast on ESPNCreekInfo.com. Listener.